I can't believe that we are on the same platform right now as Howard Stern. Howard, I'm here. <laughs> Howard Stern, I'm on channel 145. <laughs> I wonder if you can hear us. Howard, <laughs> look at me, look at us. This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Hey, welcome everybody to The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody and Chris Cody. This is the, the, the little podcast that could. Uh, we're one year old. And guess what? We are now partnering with Sirius XM Radio. If you all are listening to us on Sirius XM Channel 145, that means it's Monday from 5 to 6 p.m. when every week you'll be able to hear us simulcast on Sirius XM Slam Radio. Huh? Look at us. How about that? On the radio. On the radio. and Slam uh, radio, too. Pitbull, yeah. huh? Oh, Mr. 305. Nothing says Pitbull like Chris and Greg Cody. Mr. Worldwide. That is awesome. No, it's- it's pretty exciting, and uh, and 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 I want to say to our radio listeners because the podcast family know this very well. But I want to tell our radio listeners we're thrilled to have you on board. We're glad you're listening, and if you're unfamiliar with us, we're a variety show podcast. We're rooted in sports because I've been a sports columnist for the Miami Herald for about 150 years. But we'd love to have fun longer, um, actually. Yeah, probably. You know, our our guests on this. Podcasts have ranged from uh, Chuck Todd, the NBC Meet the Press coordinator, to a uh, professional snuggler. So you never know what you're going to get from us. And today, should I tease our guest today? Because yeah. yeah. it's a big one. I don't know if this is the biggest guest we've ever had on, but everybody knows the name. Most people like him, I think. It's Ricky Williams, the former uh, NFL star running back, uh, Dolphin great. And um, what a life this guy's led, man. He's uh, I don't want to tease too much, but we're all over the map talking to yeah. Ricky today about sports, about astrology, everything. I'm just excited to see, because that, that is a great guest. It was a great interview, a great interview. That's the thing I do, <laughs> serious people. I combine words. I'm sorry. Um, but I'm real excited to see what Greg Cody does. You know what? He's on SiriusX. He's had a podcast for a year now, but he's on SiriusXM Channel 145 today. Well, if it's Monday, it's today. If it's Tuesday. You get it. We're a podcast and a radio show now. This is confusing to us. It's going to take yes. us a little bit of time to get used to this. But I'm excited to see what Greg Cody does with his first take, you know, because before we get to Ricky, Greg's just going to talk. So yep. where are we going to start? Where are you going to take this to give them a taste of what this show's about? Where are we starting today? Well, that's an easy answer. I have to start with something that's very important. Sunday was National Serial Day. And so we need to discuss some of the controversies, some of the glories of cereal, because I think it's a it's a food not just for breakfast anymore. It's a food most of us enjoy. Uh, I I was a cereal freak as a kid. I grew up on cereal. A seek. Yeah, and you know, but what's weird? I rarely eat it now. I cannot tell you the last bowl of cereal I have eaten. Well, but as a honestly, kid, I grew up on it. It's because cereal. It's a tough thing because all the good ones are terrible for you, and right. all the ones that are healthy don't taste good so it's it's a tough balance because like i want to eat the unhealthy stuff but it's bad for me so i need to balance it and uh, i don't look at me (laughs) i have a tip for cereal people though don't sleep on soggy cereal don't disrespect soggy cereal i know people like to eat it quick because they like the crunch the texture i like to let my bowl sit for like a good five minutes depends on the cereal some are not as good but i like a good soggy cereal underrated so i saw this list uh they did not quote the source but they listed this as the top five cereals in America. 
Okay, and I want you to guess what those five are because three of them I would put on the list. Two of them, not in a million years. Give me five cereals and I'll tell you how many you got right. Frosted Flakes. That's correct. Cocoa Puffs. Nope. Cocoa Krispies. Nope. Um, Captain Crunch. Yes. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's right. You got three of five. I think that's pretty good. I, mean, I right. was shocked Captain Crunch was nah, on Captain that list. Captain Crunch is strong. Oh, my Captain God. Crunch is strong. I'm trying to think what else would be on there. Go ahead. Tell me the other ones. The other ones were Lucky Charms and Honey Nut Cheerios. Ooh, Lucky Charms is solid. Honey, Honey Nut Cheerios is too boring. Now, um, there's another list of the top eight for some reason. You know, whenever you have a list, people, if you're going to do a top eight, you got to do a top ten. But I digress. Uh, so here's a list of the top eight cereals in terms of actual sales. Wow, we're doing a deep dive on cereal. And, and, I thought we were just going to name well, it. We'll move on. <clears throat> no, because this interests me because Captain Crunch is not on this list. The top eight are Honey Nut Cheerios, number one, Frosted Flakes, number two, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, three, Lucky Charms, four. Raisin Bran has to be in there. Fruit Loops, five, Special K, six, Raisin Bran, seven, yeah. and Reese's Puffs, eight. So where's Captain Crunch? Captain Crunch supposedly is in the top five of most popular, not in the top eight of sales. So this is a big controversy. I feel like you were a guy, who, you, you didn't like that Captain Crunch was on there, so you searched the internet to find a stat that supported you to take down Captain Crunch. That's correct. That's I, feel like exactly if right. I feel like if Captain Crunch was in the top eight of sales, you would have moved on to another stat that would have right. taken out Captain Crunch. I think Captain Crunch should, uh, should become a defunct cereal. It should go out of business like some other cereals from my use, such as French Toast Crunch. Oreo O's and Banana Frosted Flakes. Those all used to exist, and they no longer do. Me, I was a Trix kid. I used to love Trix. Grew up on Trix. Um, the red ones were the best. Trix are for kids. Yeah, they are. And uh, Rice Krispies, Snap, Crackle, and Pop. I feel like we're petering uh, out on cereal. Is it time to move on? It is time to move I on. I feel like we had a good um, run, a good three or four minute chunk. You know, we threw a curveball to our new serious listeners. Like, ooh, it's a sports show. What are they going to go with? Boom, cereal. Like, our point right. was made. We can go anywhere. We're wacky. Yeah. Now let's hit them with some hard societal stuff. What do you got, Greg Cody? I'm tired of people criticizing LeBron James for his activism. Okay, a year ago it was that uh, conservative host who said, uh, shut up and dribble. And uh, this past week, it was the uh, international soccer star uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Am I pronouncing that close right? Because I all, always mess up that guy's last I name. Ibrahimovic, but I feel like you got close enough. Okay. So he's basically saying the same thing. He's given an interview in Sweden, and he's basically saying, uh, in, not in so many words, uh, shut up and dribble. He's saying that when we sports stars need to stay in our lane, uh, soccer is what I do good basketball is what LeBron does good. Let's not get into politics. What drives me crazy about that is that LeBron James's activism shouldn't be considered politics. You know, when, when he's defending people from being needlessly killed, that's not politics. You know, that, that's just him coming out on the right side of something. And, and all the work he's done uh, with the school, with his uh, school in Akron, Ohio, that does doesn't such good work. His activism is something that shouldn't be criticized. It should be applauded. And, you know, the idea that somebody else is going to define what should be the parameters of LeBron James's conscience is, is sort of appalling to me. And all it does is make him speak louder and stand firmer behind what he believes in. So, I, you know, I think more power to LeBron James and others like him. And, uh, 
and quit telling athletes to shut up and dribble as if as if all they are is athletes and, and they were just put on earth to entertain us. Uh, they have a right to, to feel and hurt and be angry just like you and I do. Man, Slotan had such a good record with me of just being... He's he's the per like I don't know if you're familiar with this Latan. Yeah, he's he's really funny with the media. Oh, yeah. The way he's he's so confident. He I could I could pull up ten clips of him just being very funny right. with the media about how confident he is and how great he is and right, how good right. looking he is and all that stuff. He speaks in the third person. Yes. Like <laughs> he, he's been per and like and now this it's like dude Slatan. I had such a great image of you in my mind of being this entertaining soccer like obviously a, a very talented soccer player but also just great with the media. Right. Don't do this. Now I think of you like that. Now you're yeah. Now you're that. And you were this before. Don't be that. Be this. Right, exactly. Now I'm Jerry Seinfeld. Slaton. Be this. Don't be that. <laughs> That's a passable uh Seinfeld, by the way. I, I Congratulations. Think we, did, we did a bit on the Lebetard show once where we were imagining the Mets hiring Jerry Seinfeld as their manager and him like coaching third base, like, why is it a pinch hitter? No one's getting pinched. Oh, <laughs> 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 Sorry about that. When I when I laugh too hard, sometimes I cough. What can I tell you? Uh, I'm not a perfect man. Um, I can't believe that we are on the same platform right now as Howard Stern. Look at us. <laughs> We're on channel 145. Howard's on channel 100. And I'm like, look, at, I'm looking down right now. I'm actually looking up at Howard, but you know what I mean, just in terms of channel yeah. number. Like I'm looking down, like Howard, I'm here. <laughs> Howard Stern, I'm on channel 145. <laughs> I wonder if you can hear us. Oh. This is Howard! Like Howard! <laughs> Look at me! Look at us! Oh, a- man. All right. You're a UFC fan, right? Yeah. On Saturday, a fight was discontinued by an illegal knee to the head. I don't know who the fighters were. I'm not that big a fan. But somebody lost a fight because of an illegal knee to the head, which surprised me because I didn't think anything was illegal in UFC. I mean, it seems to be a sport where your health is not paramount, where anything goes. Uh, were you aware that there's such thing as an illegal knee to the head? Yes. So what? I mean, like, it's what? very clear if you watch for people that watch like UFC. Right. There are rules. You can't knee out. Like basically the back of the head is off limits. Like uh, what very, else can't you do? No, Am I allowed I mean, to gouge you in the eye or what? No. You honestly thought UFC had no rules? That it was just like yeah. barbaric and like right. Like, it is barbaric. I mean, no, I'm just saying, like in terms of like gouging, like there are rules. It's right. You know, am I allowed market. to pull your ear? No, I can kick you in the knee though, right? The leg, yeah. Like when we're standing up, like yeah, you can right. kick anywhere except the and midsection. What, like like the, the groin area is off limits. Right. The back of the head is off limits. Right. Can I step on your toe? Yes. I've seen a couple fights where some like that's like a guy always leaned on that and like that was one of his big things is anytime they'd be in a tangle you'd always see him like stomping on the guy's foot. <laughs> Can I put my finger in your ear or like how does that work? A wet willy? Only if you yeah. lick your finger first. You can't do okay. it when it's dry. You can do a wet willy. All right. Okay. Hey, um uh, it's what? funny you br- it's funny you bring up illegal hits though because did you see the hit uh the hockey the Capitals Tom Wilson is suspended 7 games for the hit on Bruins' Brandon Carlo. Did you see this hit? I did not, no. It's it's a similar thing to what you were saying about UFC, where it's like, it, it was just a check against the boards, and it's like, wow, this guy all of a sudden is suspended for seven games. Now, if you look at it in slow motion, the player, Brandon Carlo's head is kind of exposed, and the guy, Tom Wilson, comes flying in and just drills, with his elbow, drills the guy's head into the board. Like Wow. It's just crazy because, like, he could have just been flying over to check him and then maybe the guy moved a little and all of a sudden, you know what I mean? It just right, seemed right. like a real quick play 
to know his intent, but seven games, it's crazy. I think that's the only time in a year that we've talked about hockey on this podcast, although I will say the Florida Panthers, my beloved cats, are uh, kicking ass this season. So uh, I just thought that was interesting because it's kind of like if it felt like in the same realm of the conversation you're having with UFC. Like, wait, right. you can get in trouble for hitting someone in UFC? <laughs> it's like... Right, exactly. You know, I don't think of health is, your health is being paramount in UFC, but... Uh, and, and also in hockey, why are you allowed to just shove somebody into the board? It, it, it seems sort of... Why are they allowed to literally take off their gloves and start fighting? Like, I know. I love I thought, that, though. It, isn't that crazy? I thought they um, did That's away with that. Isn't that an upset in 2020 that that is still allowed? Like, of yes. all the things, you know, Dr. Seuss is getting, you know, <laughs> off the shelves and, you know... Uh, crazy. But you're still allowed to just fight in hockey. Like, I would have bet... 10 years ago that by 2020 fighting would be out of hockey and I'm not complaining I love the fights doesn't it have to be one-on-one now I think that's how they so I don't think it ever could have been a melee with like a whole group fighting I think it's always yeah but they always would break it up when it gets to the ground or when more people get involved I think back in the day you you used to see a dozen guys on the ice fighting and now it's just it's pretty much one-on-one right there used to be like six on six fights in hockey. As far, yeah, as far as I remember, I could, I could, <laughs> I, I could be totally right. wrong. <laughs> Dad, we're on serious XM right now. Okay, I may be hallucinating. Make, you can't be making mistakes like that. Oh, really? Okay, all right. Why don't we get on to uh, our our special guest, shall we? I think um, one of the bigger guests we've ever had on, Ricky Williams, one of thirty-one guys in NFL history to rush for ten thousand yards. Dolphins' uh, second all-time leading rusher, behind only Larry Zonka. And football isn't even the most interesting thing about Ricky Williams. I, I find him fascinating. So, Ricky, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, you have a new podcast called Curious Questions with Ricky Williams. And I have to be honest with you, you're not a person I associated with being a podcast host. It, it seems sort of strange. How uh, how'd all that happen? You know, it's something I've been thinking about for a while. Um, I think earlier in my life, people didn't think of me that way because I felt like I didn't really have much to say. But, you know, because of the things that I've gotten into away from football, I've de- developed a knowledge set and, and also some interesting things to say. And so I've been doing a lot of astrology stuff lately and uh, I've been doing a couple of podcasts and I just like doing them so much. I started thinking, you know, this would be a great format for me to talk about my, uh, my interest in astrology. It's actually sort of almost an astrology-based podcast, right? I mean, you, you get into reading your guest charts and stuff like that. I mean, tell, tell people a little bit more about how astrology and this podcast marry. The general idea, and it's really cool, my, uh, my 18-year-old daughter, or she's not even 18, she, my 21-year-old daughter sat with me and she actually worked, worked on putting this together with me. And she was staying with me for, for about a year. And I started teaching her astrology and she got really into it. And, and so I asked for help in putting this together. And, and we came up with the format is uh, guests come on and I get their birth information before they come on. I look at the chart and, you know, I notice what jumps out to me or what what piques my curiosity. And then uh, to use, you know, whatever I noticed uh, to inform my questions. And the idea is, you know, to pull out hopefully interesting stories or things, questions that, you know, my guests have never never been asked before. But, but that are that are meaningful. And I feel like when I was a football player, I was always looking for those questions that I'd never been asked that would right. spark, spark an interesting conversation. Ricky, I would consider myself an astrology agnostic. Um, I don't know that I believe in it, but I'm certainly not going to mock it because I just don't know it. I mean, if you ask me about astrology, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm a Virgo. 
And and that's yeah. about the extent of my <laughs> of my knowledge. Um, first of all, what can you tell me about me? Because I'm a Virgo, and then uh, please make it complimentary. Yeah, of course, always, always. So <laughs> you know, Virgo. I love talking about about Virgo because I think you know one of the the most accessible and, and simplest um, advantages that astrology gives us is it helps us be at peace with ourselves. You know, just the idea that there's twelve different signs, and so. It gives us at least a little bit more. We don't all have to be the same, right? At least there's 12 different varieties of, of humans. And in one of those varieties, right? If you think of, you know, there's 12 different varieties of humans. One of those varieties has to be in charge of paying attention to the details, right? And developing mm -hmm. skills, okay? So that's the Virgo type, right? Is that, you know, Virgos, people tend to like Virgos because they're naturally helpful. You know, Virgo is about becoming really good at something that you can then offer of service to other people. Okay. Mm -hmm. So people tend to like Virgos because they're helpful. Sometimes people get annoyed by Virgos because, you know, my, my Virgo story is, is, is that, you know, Virgo has high ideals, right? They have very high ideals about what right, what's good, what's perfect, but Virgos also has, they have a lot of humility. So they also have a very real sense of where they are, but also where other people are right now. And so Virgos are constantly aware of the gap between how good I should be or how good you should be and where you are right now. And so sometimes Virgos can give people a hard time because they can be nitpicky because Virgos just notice what can be better, right? <laughs> so, and then what the advice I give to Virgos is you have to balance ceaseless effort because that awareness of what can get better is never going away. So you have to balance that ceaseless effort with self-love, right? Taking pride in developing your skill, right? Where you don't take setbacks as a negative thing, you take them, oh, this is gonna help me to get better. This is gonna help me to improve. What's the thing out there that annoys you the most for somebody that is anti-astrology? You know, really what's, what annoys me the most is people that are pro, that are like all the way in pro-astrology, you know, because hmm. the, the, I think, most people don't really understand what astrology is. They think it's something that describes people. And, and it doesn't describe people. It describes the challenges that we each face. Okay. So like, you know, like, again, the challenge for Virgo is to, how do I deal with always noticing what could be better, right? That's something that all Virgos have to deal with. And some of them deal with it by just being nitpicky, like getting on your nerves. And some of them deal, deal with it by ceaseless effort, by getting better, by becoming really good at something, you know? I think my favorite example of a Virgo is, is Serena Williams, you know? Oh, um, yeah. And I, I just read a, I read a story about her when she first started playing tennis and she start, first started getting coached, you know? Because to be a happy Virgo, you have to be coachable, you know? And just reading that story of how she started getting coached and she loved it, right? She realized, and I had that same moment as a football player where I realized, okay, these coaches aren't just here to get on my nerves. They're actually here <laughs> to help me become better. And when I had that attitude, it totally changed everything for me. What unlocked the door to astrology for you? How did you get into this as a passion? My passion for astrology started back in 2004, you know, after I retired from the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. I, was, I started traveling. You know, people know that story. I ended up in right. Northern California studying, studying yoga. And part of my yoga studies, we had a teacher come in and, and teach us from a, from a spiritual retreat that was close to the school. And after taking one class, I was so blown away that I said, you know, you got to tell me where to find more of this. And so they said, well, come to the retreat. It's just down the road. So I went there that weekend and the main teacher in the retreat had heard I was a football player. And she walked up to me and, and you know, she didn't speak. Her English was OK. Right. And she said to me, you know, where's your Mars? 
and I, and I had no idea what she was talking about. So she explained <laughs> that Mars is the planet of courage and in in fighting, and that because I was a football player, she wanted to understand where mine was. And so we had this really amazing conversation. And what what stuck with me is this this woman from another country doesn't know anything about football. But as we sat down there and talked for two and a half hours, I felt more clearly seen than I had pretty much any time in my life. And I attributed to whatever the astrology stuff was telling her allowed her to to understand me more than I could understand myself. Hmm. So I asked her, I asked her to start teaching me um, what she knew. And she did. And the more I learned and the more I knew, life just started making more sense to me. And and again, I think that the major part of the story is I was really lost. And and learning learning about astrology was my first glimpse of of, of light, really at, at a dark time for me. Yeah, you've um I don't know if you would agree, but I, I think of you as sort of a, a a spiritual guy. I mean, you you you've done so much after football, the you've been a yoga instructor, you've you the astrology interest uh you've been a staunch cannabis advocate and it seems to me that there's so many avenues of you whose intersection seems to be some sort of a search for spiritual health how would you describe your own ongoing journey because that's crazy to me you're you're only 43 i have record albums older than you but you must look back at your life and go wow i've i've done some shit i mean you've led an eventful life ricky williams well, so here's another example of, of astrology, right? I mean, we can laugh about it now, but during the time, people were like, you're doing too much, you know, slow down. But I'm a Gemini, you know, and Gemini's, you know, typical Gemini's need to f- fit three or four lifetimes into one. You know, that, that's what we're that's what we're here to do. And so, uh, you know, I, and and I think I spent the first half of my life focusing so much on the body, you know, because when, when we talk about spirituality, truly spirituality exists, you know, alongside the body, right? Is we're either too bogged down in like earthly, you know, money, work, kids, earthly stuff. And sometimes we forget that there's big, there's a bigger purpose to life, right? And the flip side happens too. Some people get too spiritual and they forget that in order to live, you have to take care of like the earthly, the earthly things. You got to get a job. You got to take care of your kids. You know, you, you got to take care of yourself. And so I think I went so hard on the earthly part, you know, doing so much to my body, the first part of my life, that I needed to kind of go the opposite direction to find some balance. Hmm. At what point did cannabis enter your life in an important way? Not just, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take a toke of that at a party, but in a way that you felt really helped you either health-wise or spiritually? Like, how, how did that evolution happen? Because you were one of the first athletes who really became a public advocate for this long before it became fashionable. Yeah, it's funny. Like I, the truth is, I really, I really never wanted to become known for using cannabis. I mean, it, matter of fact, I did everything I, I could to hide it. And finally, it, it came out. And when it came out, I just didn't want to hide it anymore. So I, I just told the truth. But I, I wasn't trying to be, I wasn't trying to be a hero. And you know, I would say really. I dabbled with it and I, and I could early in life, but it, you know, and I had, there's a situation in, in college, my senior year, where there was just a lot of stress and my roommate introduced it to me. And that was the first time I really noticed that, okay, this can help relieve stress. But that didn't really lock in until it was my third year in New Orleans. It was right before I was traded to the Dolphins. I ended up breaking my rib against the Rams. And, you know, nothing the doctors gave me helped. And, and I remember I was at home and I, my roommate again said, hey, you want to try cannabis? And at the time, nobody was talking about cannabis is good for pain. But I said, sure, it can't, you know, it can't hurt. And that's when I noticed, okay, this is something that is actually beneficial. 
And I started doing some reading and research and, and following up because I was really confused by the fact that I was told as a kid that this stuff is really bad for you. And now I'm starting to see that, yes, I can see that it's ruined some people's lives, but that's not the experience that I had. And I was re realizing that there, I wasn't the only person that was receiving positive benefits from using cannabis. And that really just took me on this, this journey. And now here I am as a, a big time cannabis advocate, you know, starting two companies in the cannabis space. So again, I never predict this, but uh, I, I, I can't lie, I have enjoyed the ride. Ricky, tell us a little bit about those companies, because I think one of them is um, uh, you, you actually sell cannabis products, right? Um, I, I don't know the name of the company here. I, I have it written down somewhere uh, because being a Virgo, I am uh, very detailed. But um, I read something about uh, perhaps a, a dating app that is related to astrology. Tell us about some of your uh, interests right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's cliche, but but I'm enjoying it. You know, a retired athlete becomes an entrepreneur and I'm loving it. My company, Real Wellness, you know, we produce herbal products that all of them contain cannabis, but they also contain other herbs. And then, you know, with my astrology interest, you know, I met a woman and we started dating and, and she was also into astrology. And so we started studying together and actually using astrology to help our relationship work. And it just was so mind blowing that we said, we got to get this out to the world. And so we started a, a relationship app called Leela that helps people use astrology first to understand themselves better, but also to understand, you know, their spouses and their friends and their siblings and their parents and just the people in their lives. And the third company that I'm starting in the process of starting right now is called uh, the Heisman brand. And it's a, it's more of a recreational cannabis brand. And, you know, I'm, it's really it's probably one of the things I'm most excited about because it's taking two things in my life that were separated, you know, football and cannabis, two things that I love that have been separated for so long and it's bringing them together. So it's a real opportunity to really be the first brand that combines uh, cannabis and sports. Do you expect a, a, a lawsuit from the downtown athletic club or are they okay with the name of your uh, latest venture? Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, that with the attorneys, that was their first question and, and, you know, going through the, going, going to get a trademark. Right. I'm married to a lawyer. So that was my first question too. Yeah. I'm married to a lawyer too. That was her first question. Excellent. So the, the, um, so the, we spell it differently, H I G H S M A N. And also we're in a different nice. class. You know, okay. we're not in the football trophy or even sweatshirts and, and backpacks, but we're, you know, we're in, uh, cannabis accessories and, and flower, but because cannabis is still federally legal, you can't get a trademark uh, on it. And I think it's, it's ironic, you know, the, the name, because, you know, the first time that I really started appreciating cannabis was the year I won the Heisman Trophy. And, and I think it had a lot to do with it because it helped me deal with all of the stress that I was, uh, that I was going through. Ricky, where do you keep your Heisman Trophy? So I sold my Heisman Trophy. Um, I sold it, Back in 2013, 2014, I sold it. Um, you know, another part of my story that for some reason it's been told and it's been in the papers, but I guess a lot of people haven't picked up on it, is one of my closest friends when I when I was playing football was was also my financial advisor. And a couple of years after I, after I retired, we were, we were still close friends. And I got a letter. I remember getting a letter from the IRS telling me that I hadn't paid my taxes in three years. And so I was like, what are you talking about? And so I called, I called her up and I said, you know, I just got this letter from the IRS and, you know, we come to find out in the next couple of weeks that she had pretty much stole 
my life savings. And so I remember I was, I was in Austin and I was, you know, back in Austin, going back to school. And I remember getting the phone call and realizing, you know, I thought, I thought I was a millionaire and realizing that I'm not. And I had a decision to make, you know, do I put my head in the sand and feel sorry for myself or do I, you know, do whatever I can to get out of this? And as I said that, I, you know, I, look, I happened to look up and I saw I had like a whole bunch of trophies that I really didn't care that much about. I had a whole bunch of art on the walls that I really didn't care that much about. And so I was able to move all those things and, and kind of, you know, set myself up so I, I could keep on living my life and keep on moving. And so the Heisman was definitely good for something. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, when I say interaction on the field with a player, whether it's an opponent, a teammate, what stands out to you? Like, what memories do you have of just that dude's crazy, a funny interaction? Just when I say that to you, interaction with another player on the field, like, what's the first thing that pops in your mind? Uh, we had a fullback in New Orleans. Still, he lives out in California. One of my good friends still. Uh, his name is uh, Terrell T. Sizzle. And Terrell, Terrell was crazy. He went to Arizona State. And, you know, we'd be in the huddle sometimes and he just would get so he's a fullback. He just was so hyped up. We had to calm him down. So he just would start doing pushups in the middle of the field just to get himself <laughs> to calm down. Who's the craziest linebacker? Like the linebacker you least wanted to get by T Sizzle? Ray Lewis. It's not. I mean, it's, everyone says it, but it's not even close. You know, Good answer. <laughs> I remember my, my rookie year. <laughs> <laughs> my rookie year we were uh we, we played baltimore and i had missed the previous three games with the turf toe injury and you know there was a big i was questionable right I was, actually i was probably doubtful i was doubtful but I, you know i wanted to play because i love to play football and i ended up not playing that game and i remember sitting on the sideline and watching ray lewis like run around the field tearing off the heads of our running backs and i have to admit i was happy <laughs> i was happy i didn't play that game <laughs> <laughs> um, Ricky, um, you enter the league with, with New Orleans and, uh, and, and you pose for a, a very uh, well-known magazine cover for ESPN, the magazine. Can we now officially blame Levitard for, for you ending up in a wedding dress? It's a hunt. I mean, I can blame all of, I can blame the worst situations in my NFL career on Levitard. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so I met Dan Levitard the first time, right before my senior season at Texas. He came to Austin and he did a story, a cool story, great story in ESP in the magazine. I think it was called like the, the Golden Boy or something like that. And, you know, he got me before I was corrupted. So I was this, this nice kid. And <laughs> after the this football season was over, I won the Heisman Trophy. And after the draft, ESPN uh, wanted to, the magazine wanted to put me on the cover again. And they wanted to somehow depict the fact that Coach Dickett and I were married, right? Or we we're stuck together. Okay. And so Dan and I you know, went back and forth. You know, he was throwing out ideas probably for two months. And finally he called me up one day and he said, I think I have an idea as long as you're good with it. And I was thinking, sure. And he said, How about, you know, you in a wedding dress and Mike Dick in a tux like you guys are married? <laughs> and when he said it, I laughed because just like just like you did, right? I laughed. I thought it was Thought it was funny. And so I said, sure, you know, and it's, I'm telling you, it's easy on a cell phone talking to a good friend to say, sure. Okay. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, about two weeks later, when, when I was in New Orleans for the photo shoot and I walked into this room and they're like, here's your, <laughs> oh here's my your, God, here's your wedding dress. I was like, what did I get my, <laughs> and so, and so, you know, <laughs> I squeeze into the dress. And they put the veil on and they're putting the makeup on. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on? Did any part of you, sorry to interrupt, did any part of you right there think about, you know what, maybe this was the wrong choice? You know, unfortunately, I don't, I don't think that I'm like, 
I have like, what did I do? But I always, once I say yes, I'm like, I'm in for the adventure. But I, I still, it still, it still didn't hit me yet, right? It wasn't until we were in the in the limo. I was in the limo with Coach Dick going back to the training facility. <laughs> and, you know, he had a cigar in his hand and he was like, I don't know what they did to get you to put that wedding dress on, but I never <laughs> would have done it. And I was thinking, say it, but I was thinking to myself, why are you telling me this now? You know, why would, why didn't you tell me this before the photo shoot? <laughs> but I, I still, I was like, all right, whatever. And then I, I arrived, we had training camp in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And I arrived in La Crosse on a little plane. As soon as I got off the plane, there was a bunch of media and they all had in their hand this big ass <laughs> cover with me in a wedding dress. And it was horrible. So, you know, I, I wasn't ready for that. I was shocked that people, you know, took it the wrong way. To me, it was funny, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just now maybe the past five years really starting to live that one down. I can look at it now and laugh and say, this was, this was funny. I think it was great that you did it. And then, and also you look pretty damn good in a wedding dress, if I can say that. Um, Ricky, uh, we're going to let you go in just a couple minutes. I've enjoyed this, but uh, I do want to ask you just a, a, a tiny little bit about your dolphin years because they were eventful to say the least. You had the best season any dolphin running back has ever had in 02. You had another great season in 03, but, uh, and, and that preceded your, your sudden retirement. But what I think about those two years is that, man, they ran you into the ground. You carry the ball almost 800 times in two seasons, which has to be almost unprecedented. And I wonder how much that wear and tear uh, led to you retiring on the eve of the 2004 season. You know, there, there were there were so there were so many factors, but I, if I had to choose one, I would say that's probably the biggest. And and it's not it's not necessarily the carries; it's more of the quality of the carries. It's funny, and I thank you for saying that. But in my in my my experience of it, 2003 was a was a horrible year. You know, it was a failure because my my track record in high school, every year I got better. I got to college every year. I got better. I got to the NFL statistically every year. I got better until 2003. And so 2002, I ran for over 1800 yards. And in my mind, I knew my, my track record had convinced me that 2003, I was going to rush for 2000 yards. Okay. And I come back in 2003 and we, we signed Brian Greasy, which I thought Jay was great, but he got hurt that 2002. So they signed Brian Greasy. Right. So I was thinking, okay, you know, we got a shot. But from jump, right, from the first game, right, we got up by 10 points and then it turned into just give Ricky the ball every play. And then the whole season turned into that. And it's funny, I ran into Coach Wanstead last year at the Super Bowl. And, you know, he, he kind of laughed and he said, you know, I've learned a lot. And one of the things I learned is, <laughs> is how to trust how to trust my quarterback. And he said, when you played, I didn't trust my quarterback. And so if he threw an incomplete or anything, any, a pass that looked like it was almost intercepted, I would mm. get on the headphones and tell Norv, just give it to Ricky. Just give it to Ricky. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I, I had, you know, a bunch of carries in, in 2002, but I also had a bunch of yards. You know, I had more carries in 2003, and I had about 500 less yards. And so that hurts. You know, when you're getting 25 carries a game, but you're, you know, getting 100 yards, it doesn't hurt so bad. You're getting 25 carries a game and you're getting 50 yards. That hurts, you know, those two yard, those oh, two yeah. yard games. No doubt. Ricky, how do you, it, it, it's so weird to me because uh, Dolphin fans hated you for a minute in early 2004, but I think right now you're one of the most popular, well-remembered players in, in franchise history. I wonder if you feel that. I wonder what you think of, of your uh, NFL career and particularly your, your Dolphin days. 
Yeah, you know, I, I'm not the kind of person that has very many regrets, but I, I do have one regret uh, in my football career, and it was that I didn't finish my career at Dolphin. Mm. Um, you know, it, it would have been great to play to play my last year. I probably would have played a couple more years if I stayed in Miami, and I would have had the opportunity to become the Dolphins' all-time leading rusher. I think I was only maybe 400 and something yards behind. Yeah, him. behind Zonka. So, I mean, that that's something that you know is going to be hard to going to be hard to live down that I that I didn't finish up um in in Miami but Saints were great but I I look at my career as being a, a Miami Dolphin and the way that I came back and the way that I was embraced by the fans I'll always love Dolphin fans and I'll always remember my time as, as a Dolphin yeah and and it's reciprocal believe me uh Ricky we're gonna let you go uh everybody check out his new podcast Curious Questions with Ricky Williams because it's different it, it's unlike any other podcast you're gonna hear and uh Ricky all the best of luck to you. Really been great getting together with you again after all these years. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. Thanks, Ricky. All right, Ricky Williams, thanks again. Really enjoyed that. Uh, all over the map, just like he is. You know, uh, cannabis talk and uh, astrology talk and football talk. Very entertaining. How, how about that? Like, was he just pandering to Dolphins fans there? Like, was, If he was on a New Orleans podcast, would he have said that he wished he ended his career with the Saints? Um, like, I don't no. want to be. I'm not calling. Like, I feel like that's a, a a jerk move. What I just did to Ricky Williams. Like I don't want to say he's being disingenuous, but that was just a big statement that he just made right there. Yeah. No, it was. I hadn't heard him say that before. I think we uh, we broke news with that because uh, I think he is genuine. I think he thinks of himself as a Dolphin. I think if he's going into the Hall of Fame, which by the way, if he hadn't missed three seasons because of retirement or suspensions, I truly believe he he had a chance to be a Hall of Fame running back, and he totally would have gone in as a Miami Dolphin. And is that on us not knowing that he sold his Heisman trophy and that he had millions of millions and millions of dollars stolen from him? Yeah, you know, I did know that, but I, I just forgot it. <laughs> no, seriously, I was embarrassed because uh, as soon as I asked him, where do you keep your trophy? You know, I thought it would be a fun story. I thought it'd be like, oh, it's a it's a doorstop. Uh, right. Uh, you know, but uh, as soon as he started telling the story, I'm like, oh, you dumbass. Of course. I, I remembered then that uh, what, had, what had happened to him. He got ripped off and uh, lost like six million bucks, I think, or something. So, But yet he's smiling. We caught him in a good mood, Ricky Williams. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, now, it's time again, ladies and gentlemen, for Mount Greg Moore. That's right. We should probably explain to the serious audience. Uh, what oh, Mount it, that's true. For, for you first-timers, uh, not long-timers. Uh, Mount Gregmore is, is a, a riff, my riff on Mount Rushmore. You know, everybody has a top four and everything. But Mount Gregmore is bigger and better than Mount Rushmore. Why? Because we give you an honorable mention and then a top five. So it's Gregmore. So it's, so, it's, so it's a top six. Well, we don't call it that. We uh, call it honorable mention. But time again for Mount Gregmore. And this week's edition was inspired by seeing, uh, I don't know if you saw this, Dwayne The Rock Johnson on Instagram uh, named his Mount Rushmore of pro wrestlers. He quickly listed Hulk Hogan, Nature Boy Ric Flair, and Steve Austin as if they were like no-brainers. And then he sort of petered out. He didn't really say who his fourth one was. He, he listed like five guys, most of them I'd never heard of. But anyway, the spark was lit. So here is the Mount Gregmore of things Dwayne The Rock Johnson is known for. <laughs> That's right. I thought we were going to get your top five wrestlers. Oh, no, I don't know. You know, I'd start and end with Haystack Calhoun from my ute. First, our honorable mention. Dwayne Johnson's heritage is Samoan, just like that of Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. Favalea Aea, 
That's crazy, right? In Samoan. <laughs> Number five, philanthropy. Dwayne once donated $1,500 to a GoFundMe to pay for an abandoned dog's surgery, among more celebrated charitable contributions. I mean, I feel like of the in the Dwayne The Rock Johnson category, there's so many right. different avenues we could have gone down. His top five movies, his top five wrestling matches, and we're going with just, what, his Wikipedia page? Like, what's happening right now? Number four, football. Dwayne played defensive tackle for the Miami Hurricanes in 1991-94, winning a national championship under Dennis Erickson, later donating $1 million to UM's new indoor training facility. He was not drafted in 95, signed with Canada's Calgary Stampeders, and decided to move on after being cut by the CFL team. If you end up telling me how many kids he has, I'm going to scream. Number three. Don't know, don't care. I mean about how many kids he has and about you screaming. Number three. Television. Dwayne starred as retired NFL player Spencer Strasmore for five seasons, 2015 to 19, in HBO's Ballers. Dan Lebetard famously appeared in one episode awkwardly holding a cigar and asking, what's the end game, Spence? The new comedy drama series, Young Rock, now airs on NBC. Number two, pro wrestling. Dwayne's father and grandpappy both wrestled, and he followed suit, rising to prominence as the charismatic, boastful, trash-talking Rock became a popular WWF champion, arguably one of the sport's biggest stars and draws ever. He headlined the most bought pay-per-view pro wrestling event ever in WrestleMania 28. And now, number one. What is happening? Movies! That's right. Dwayne's films have grossed over $3.5 billion in America and $10.5 billion worldwide. The Scorpion King, Tooth Fairy, Hercules, Moana, Rampage, Skyscraper, Fast and Furious... Jumanji. Greg Cody has seen none of these movies, but many others have. So congratulations, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. On having your Wikipedia page read on air by Greg Cody. On making Mount Gregmore. Are you kidding me? The Rock's going to redo his uh, resume to say that he was featured in Mount Gregmore. How about that? I wish I could tell you, Sirius XM audience, that this is usually a better segment. but uh... Christopher hates Mount Gregmore. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's clear the air on that. And Greg hates that Chris hates it. Well, you criticize it every week on air. Uh, I mean, why didn't, know, we do, just... why didn't we do Dwayne The Rock Johnson's top five movie roles? Like, that would have been good. Okay, be, uh, all right, name, name three. I mean, it's just like, we, we're looking at his heritage, and then right. he, that, he, that he's been a wrestler. Right. That he's been in TV. Right. And that he's been in movies. Like, what? <laughs> like, right. What and we're you... ranking them. Wrestling's definitely number one. No, like, that is what. He, if he, if he wasn't the wrestler, he would never have gotten to be the action star. You you think he's known more for wrestling than he is for movies? I mean, obviously, right now, somebody who's sixteen would say movies, but just with right. the full scope. So with somebody who's twenty six, with the full scope of his life, I think he's a wrestler that became an actor. He's not a, he's not an actor that used to wrestle. He's a wrestler that became an actor. So you would you would rank movies number two and wrestling number one. So I would have put his heritage number two. His heritage. You did, did you know he was Samoan? Yes. Is that well known? Yes. Okay. It wasn't well known to me. So uh, it is now though. 
All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, thank you all for joining us again. Thank you to our new SiriusXM Channel 145 audience. And uh, thanks, as always, to our uh, loyal podcast family. Let's bring these two worlds together. We're excited to have this marriage right here because, you know, podcast family, check us out on SiriusXM. SiriusXM family, delve into all our podcasts. We've done, I think, 52 of them now. Check us out. Go back. See what you missed. Rate, subscribe, review, and all that good stuff because we enjoy doing this and uh, happy to have more ears thanks to Sirius XM. Appreciate you all. See you all next week. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.